If you saw the title of this episode and thought, Kristen, I am not a LinkedIn person. I'm not actively looking for a full-time job. And I do not want another platform to look after. Please don't write it off just yet, okay? Do not write off LinkedIn. Let me try and sell you real quick. If you've listened to our free anti-pitch method masterclass, then you know that LinkedIn is an incredible platform to utilize as a creator or an influencer. First of all, if you need to watch that masterclass, it is in my IG and TikTok bio. So definitely go check that out. But with the anti-pitch method, I teach creators how to stop sending cold pitches that brands are literally just not responding to. Instead of wasting your time there, I suggest that you spend time creating connections with the people at the brands you want to work with. For example, let's say you want to work with Newly. You guys know I love Newly. They're one of my favorite brands. Basically, you can rent clothing each month and even buy the pieces that you love. First of all, if anyone from Newly is listening, hi, hello, sponsor me. We'll talk soon. Anyway, what I would personally do here is implement the anti-pitch method. So I would log on to my LinkedIn account. I would type in Newly in the search bar. And I would look through everyone who works at the company and has any job title that relates to influencers or marketing. Then I would connect with them and start to show up time and time again to start to build a connection with them. After I've initiated some conversation, I would bring things into my LinkedIn DMs. I would introduce myself and basically see if they're interested in connecting so that I can learn more about what Newly's currently working on and then see how I can help. Building connections with people at the brands that you want to work with is where it's at, y'all. And LinkedIn is truly one of the best places for this. I'm Kristen Bousquet, and I've been a full-time creator for over three years and have brought in over $350,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence and creative skills into a profitable, self-sustaining business. This week, we're here with Madison Masterson, CEO of Mad Marketing, and an official LinkedIn creator who focuses her content on mental health awareness, disability awareness, influencer marketing, and more. She's worked in social media marketing for over 11 years and has over 60,000 followers on her platforms, and a lot of those are coming from LinkedIn. To say she knows a bit about LinkedIn is the understatement of the year, you guys. Madison has absolutely mastered the platform. Today, Madison is giving us a crash course in how to utilize LinkedIn specifically as a creator. How can we set up our profiles if we're not in traditional jobs? And if we are, how do we balance the two? How often should we be posting on LinkedIn and what the heck do we even share? Why is it beneficial to grow our accounts there and how can we do that? Plus, is monetizing on LinkedIn even an option? We're giving you the scoop on all things utilizing LinkedIn as a creator. This, my biz BFFs, is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 36 of Social Scoop. My name is Kristen, and as always, I'm so excited that you're here. It is just so awesome, this podcast, guys. I'm telling you, 36 episodes, and every week I'm just like, how did we get here? It's crazy. Like The support you have shown me over the last 36 weeks has been incredible. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. 
Now, we have officially launched our UGC Creator Bundle that I wanted to tell you about. It includes everything that you need to get started as a user-generated content creator, including our 50-plus page ebook packed with scripts, tips, and a step-by-step guide to generating income while you are creating top-notch content for brands and a portfolio template so that you can get started right away. So you can find these resources linked below, or you can actually get them for free. And I'm going to tell you how you can do exactly that. So all of our members in the Social Mate Monthly Creator Membership actually have these resources for free. They have all given me such great feedback on it so far. And you can actually get in on that with code SCOOP for 50% off of your first month. So let's talk about what's going on in the world of social media this week. I'll be honest, guys, there wasn't a ton of news, which is honestly so fine with me because (laughs) sometimes there's so much and I literally just can't even keep track of what's going on in social media. It's, It's madness some weeks, as you know. So I have a couple of things that I wanted to share with you that maybe aren't exactly news, but I think they will be very interesting and helpful for you as creators. First of all, a piece of news, Instagram expands access to Reels templates and offers music recommendations for Reels. So we maybe two weeks ago talked about the Reels templates feature coming out. If you didn't hear, templates are basically going to be available for you to create Reels that are based on templates that other people have made. So if you like the way someone's Reel looks and how their video cuts from clip to clip, You can use it as a template, upload your own videos and photos to fill in those clips, and then it automatically makes that reel for you. So the templates are going to basically be available to users when they're on the reels recording screen. So at the bottom, you'll see that it says templates. When you click on that, you can browse the templates and actually choose which one. I personally do not have this yet. I actually haven't talked to anyone who does have it yet. But they're just expanding access. That's the news I wanted to share with you today. So some listeners, you may actually have uh, access to it. So let me know if you do. I'm very curious to see how it goes. Also with this, they're going to be recommending songs for your content as well. So basically, similar to how TikTok does, they'll be able to look at your content. I'm sure it's some sort of you know, AI system where they look at your content and say, this would be a great song for this piece of content. And Instagram will just recommend that to you now. You can choose from the different songs. But moral of the story with both of these things that they're implementing is that it's taking a lot of the work out of creating reels. I mean, like, how many people have I talked to that are like, ugh, reels, video, ugh, like, I get it. But this is making it a lot easier. So you can actually thank Instagram for this one. I know that doesn't happen very often where we like something that they do, but I actually think this is genius and I'm very excited to have access to it myself. Also, this is not necessarily a big piece of news, but it's kind of cool. I wanted to share it with you. TikTok will now let you customize your ad preferences. I have talked to so many people who are like, how did I end up in this area of TikTok? Like all of my ads are for X, Y, and Z, like, and they don't feel like something you actually want to see. So you can go to profile, settings and privacy, privacy, and then ads personalization. And then basically you'll see how your ads are personalized there and actually be able to tap on or off which categories you want to see ads for. I don't know what happens if you unclick all of them. I just thought about that. 
someone should try it and let me know. <laughs> I'm sure you'll still see ads like it's unavoidable, but it is cool that if you're going to see them, you might as well see things that you're actually interested in. So there's a lot of categories you can choose, turn them on, turn them off, and then you can personalize your TikTok experience. So there's one kind of elephant in the room right now that I haven't actually heard a lot of people discussing, but it's an incredibly important thing for us to discuss because our job is based on how other people are living their lives, right? As creators, the point of what we do is to either create content for brands to sell stuff or to sell stuff for the brands. But selling is really what it all comes down to, right? So what would happen if we were to officially be going into a recession, right? It's kind of been something I've thought about. It's kind of scary, right? And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, this could be good or it could be bad, right? But I saw an article on Marketing Brew. I linked it in the show notes in the description if you want to read it yourself. And I want to read to you a couple things that I kind of got from this article that I think are very important. So what they found in this article was that many brands are actually increasing their marketing budgets right now with the way the economy is. So in this article on Marketing Brew, the vice president of Grin, we know Grin as this just big, big influencer platform, they mentioned that the, with recessions, obviously consumer behavior is shifting. So some consumers may not be tapping into the typical you know, click and shop ads, like a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad, but they're still going to be following their favorite creators, right? Like just because they're in a recession doesn't mean they're going to unfollow all of us. So with that being said, working with influencers typically increases brand awareness for companies. So if they're taking money away from their budgets for things like Facebook and Google ads, they're going to probably put more of that into influencer marketing. Because even if no one wants to buy right now, we will still be generating brand awareness for these brands so that when people do have the money to buy, we've already sold them. So this perspective was actually really, it made me feel a lot better because I was just like, holy crap, no one's going to have any money to spend, which means no budgets are going to be big enough to pay and we're going to be out of jobs. It's a scary you know, reality. And I mean, I'm sure there are some brands that this is the case, but a lot of brands are going to be taking budget from other places and putting it into influencer marketing. So it might even out. There may be some brands that do increase, do decrease. We'll have to just see how it goes. But I thought this was a really interesting article and I think you guys should check it out if you are, you know, really depending on your money as creators to pay your bills, like a lot of us are. One other thing I wanted to note with this idea of a recession is that basically we need to protect ourselves as creators. I've actually heard from quite a few people. I kind of started this conversation on my stories one day I've heard that a lot of contracts for creators are getting canceled after they've already started creating the content, they've already signed the contract because the brands tell them, oh, like we, you know, we had production issues because of the economy or our marketing budget deflated because of the economy, whatever. So this recession, this economy is basically making brands cancel collaborations. And what do we do as creators once we've already signed the contract, we've got the job. 
And then they cancel that job. And then what do we get? Zero dollars? No, we've already started creating the content. So you need to protect yourself. And what you can do in order to protect yourself is start to include a kill fee in your agreements. So essentially what that means is that it's going to allow you, the creator, to be paid if the project is canceled after an agreement has been signed. Typically, a fee of about 50% of the project is what's expected. So what that would mean is that if they're like, oh, man, sorry, like we can't do this partnership anymore. You're like, well, that sucks, but you owe me 50% of what my whole invoice was going to be. And at least you're getting something because at some point you probably have already started to create the content and it sucks to do work if you're not going to get paid, of course. So I wanted to tell you guys about these two things. Obviously, we have to pay attention to what's happening with consumers because consumers are a huge driver in our business. I also wanted to tell you about a personal experience that I have had recently with the Instagram affiliate feature. So I first want to differentiate. The shop feature is different from the affiliate feature on Instagram. So shop is for businesses that have their own online stores and affiliate allows creators to tag products from other brands and then receive affiliate commissions on those sales. So the shop feature is something that is for everyone. Affiliate is not available for everyone yet. It's basically only available for a selected group of people. Don't ask me how I became part of this testing group. I have no idea. It seems very random, but I've been doing experimenting in the last couple of weeks. So I have started to share Instagram feed posts with the affiliate feature on tagging a product and my reach on my feed posts has tripled and my engagement has basically doubled, if not more. So this has made a huge difference in my performance in the last few weeks. But this Friday, this past Friday, I started to use the affiliate product tagging feature in stories to see if it was going to increase my story views because I saw what happened with my posts and I was like, oh, well, let me try this here and see what happens as well. And I saw four times more views on my stories than I typically do. That is huge. That's huge. I don't know anything else that could make that happen. So if you have this feature, I'm going to suggest that you start using it. If not, constantly keep your eyes out for when you do get it. To find out if you have this feature, you can go to settings, business, and then you'll see affiliate there. If you do not see affiliate, you do not yet have the feature. I hope everyone gets this feature as soon as possible and that you're able to utilize it. But for anyone who does see this feature, go use it now. (laughs) It has only done great things for me. So without further ado, let's talk a little bit more about LinkedIn and how you can utilize this platform as a creator. If there's one platform that I want to spend more time on, but I'm not even sure how to spend my time, It is LinkedIn. So I have Madison, who is a social media influencer. She's a CEO of her own company, and she just kills it on LinkedIn. I have her here with me today to answer all of our questions about LinkedIn. So thanks, Madison, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, totally. So, okay, give us the rundown on who you are, what you do, and a little bit of your story. All right. So I had a very unique background, I'd say. I grew up with a lot of disabilities. So one in particular is epilepsy. 
By the time I was like 14 years old, I was having upwards of five seizures a day. So I had to get pulled out of traditional high school, put into a program called hospital homebound schooling, where I did all of my schooling on the phone. So it's kind of like COVID student before that existed. And during that time, I was very lonely. Before I had left schooling, I was also heavily bullied. So my mental health was trash. I was so, so depressed, so sad. I had no friends and I didn't get to see humans. I was like isolated. So I went to social media. um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, I I started by going on Tumblr, which probably wasn't the best place for someone with mental health issues to start. Good point. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But I started on there. I ended up going to this other social media platform. It was called Feed and no longer exists. And then I went to Instagram. And so all of those platforms, I had built pretty good followings, pretty good communities. I was building my following, really talking about bullying awareness, mental health awareness and disability awareness. So that was kind of how I started. And I started getting a lot of following on Instagram, but that following became a little overwhelming. So by the time I was like 16, I deactivated all of my social accounts. I needed a break and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I ended up going to a program at Harvard. I got to really go to college, have a good time. And that's awesome. Yes. After that, I decided I really wanted to go to college again. So I went to college for marketing, started my social media up again. And you know, built my following out from there. And that's kind of how I got into LinkedIn. When I was in college, I now have an undergraduate and a master's degree in marketing. When I was in college, uh, I joined a business fraternity called Delta Sigma Pi. And one of the requirements to join that business fraternity was to have a LinkedIn and to work on your LinkedIn. So that was kind of when I started like five years ago on LinkedIn. And it started really just by connecting with some people to now I monetize it just like my Instagram. I have brand deals on there. It's also helped me get some of the best connections, mentors in my industry really has helped catapult my career farther, a lot faster than I thought was possible. That's so awesome. I mean, what a story. It's crazy how LinkedIn too has just like become such a big part of what you do, because I think for most creators, that's definitely not the case. Like TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, but like we don't hear about the rest. So it's definitely really cool. So, I mean, you sound like the perfect person to answer all of our LinkedIn questions. You've been doing it for a while. You have a really great following there and you're, you know, very active there. So I would love to start off by kind of talking about some logistics on actually like getting your profile set up, you know, like what you need to have there and what you need to know about the logistics of LinkedIn. So I guess my first question would be, how can we actually set up the profile? if we're not like in a traditional role because you know like if you're a nurse you know exactly what needs to be on this page right but as creators how should we actually be setting up our pages definitely so I think that there's a couple options of how you could set up your page that are both effective the way that I kind of set up my page by and how I showcase that I was a social media influencer content creator was by creating a brand, like a a name for that to go under. I think every influencer, I'm sure you've talked about this, should like open up an LLC, think about taxes. Right. And a good way to set up your profile that way is by creating a business page for your LLC on LinkedIn. And that was how I started my LinkedIn uh, and posting it was by having that LLC that I could connect a title to. And then I put social media influencer and content creator. And then I listed brands I've worked with, experience that way. And then I think the other way that you could also set up your profile is by utilizing the social media platforms that you influence on. So 
you know, if you're an influencer on Instagram, you could tag Instagram into your profile and say social media content creator and talk about what you did on Instagram. You could do the same for the other platforms that you're an influencer on. I've seen content creators do both of those ways. Okay. I think that the most important part of how you're setting it up is, you know, using keywords and stuff that people can find your profile. So just keep that in mind. So quick question. When you say like, you know, tagging Instagram and stuff on your kind of like job history, would you basically be putting like Instagram or TikTok or whatever as almost like the employer? And then your title is social media influencer. And then it's just like at that platform. Yeah. So that's kind of the the second way that a lot of creators set it up is by saying like Instagram is their employer, which in a way Instagram could be kind of seen as your, they they do, (laughs) as your employer. So it makes sense to set it up that way as well. Yeah. No, that's actually a really great idea. I definitely never thought about that. You did mention keywords. So I'm curious. I know that on Instagram and TikTok and obviously YouTube and things like that, keywords are definitely pretty important. What about for LinkedIn? So like, where do we put these keywords? Like, are there any like good tips with keywords? What do we need to know about them? Yes, definitely. There's there's a lot of places on your profile that you should be putting keywords. I'd say your your headline is probably the most important on LinkedIn for keywords. And then if you turn on the creator mode, which you definitely should on LinkedIn, you'll get the ability to put five hashtags. That is what you talk about. Yeah. That is also super, super important for keywords. So I know like on mine, it says my name, Madison Masterson, M.S, because that's my degree title. And then under it, I have like content creator, social media marketing, 2525, LinkedIn creator, organic marketing, influencer marketing, disability awareness, you know, like a big list of things that I would want someone to find me keyword wise. And then other than that area, the other place that's really important for keywords is in your job experience. So that's why I was saying to make sure you include keywords in there. You know, if you said like recruit, recruiters will be able to find you by seeing that you have recruiting skills, things like that. Okay. That's really smart. That's definitely really cool. And how about that bio area? Like I've seen a lot of creators, you know, take a lot of time to put these like beautiful, long, well-written bios. Does that have like any keyword, you know, importance? And also how should that bio look like? Do we need like a nice long one? Like what are your tips for the bio? Yeah, I think everyone's about me section on LinkedIn is kind of different depending on what you're trying to get across. I've seen some people that their bios are very short to the point, but kind of like poetic in nature. So what they do and that follows their branding, personal branding. So it kind of depends. I think, yeah, everything on LinkedIn, they could have keywords in it that help you. Even your postings can have keywords that'll help people find your posts, not even your profile. Right. So there's definitely keywords importance in there. But I think the about section, what's most important is to give a summary of what makes you credible, uh, what you do, and what your goals are is kind of what I would use that section for. So they see what you've your past, your present, your future. I love that. I would never think to put my goals in there. Like, I feel like it's just like, oh, this is who I am. This is why you should listen to me. But I never would put like, this is what I want to do. But I guess it's a good point considering LinkedIn is the place to connect with people, you know? And if people see that you have a certain goal, then, you know, for you to be able to connect with someone who can help you reach that goal is obviously very helpful. Definitely. I completely agree. I think that you know, LinkedIn is the best platform right now for networking. It's undefeated oh, yeah. there. 
And networking can go kind of what you've been talking about, how people reach out to you for brand deals and you don't have to reach out to them. Very, yeah. very similar in the way of LinkedIn. Once you start building up your presence, people will start reaching out to you to network with you. And the more information that you give them on your profile, the more people that will feel like they should reach out, that they have something in sim- that's similar to you, that, that they right. have something that you could help them with, that they could help you with. You know, yeah, more the better. So, I mean, if this is actually like, I'm jumping around, but I want to ask you before I forget. <laughs> so when you say like, you know, you have people reaching out to you and things like that, was there a certain point for you that you realized like, oh my gosh, I'm like kind of getting like a lot of people messaging me to do stuff or like, you know, work together. When did that happen for you? So that first happened for me on on Instagram. And I think the first time I really saw that was probably like two years ago in 2020. When, you know, I kind of stopped reaching out to brands. I was getting almost burnt out. Yeah. And I remember just saying to my boyfriend all the time, I was like, I don't know why these brands want to work with me. Like, I have not been putting in the work, but it's because of the work that you put in the past, you know, that they've right. seen. It really carries over. And that's why long-term strategy, consistency, that kind of stuff is so important. And on LinkedIn, I think the first time I saw people start reaching out to me, connecting with me, it was probably when I was at about 5,000 followers. You really don't even need much on LinkedIn. The organic reach is pretty insane sometimes. And the thing that's the most important to get people to reach out to you is that storytelling aspect. So that's why I talk about the put your past, your present in the future, because the stuff that does the best on LinkedIn is storytelling. Yeah, that actually kind of like brings me to what I want to talk about next is just like, everything you need to know about posting on LinkedIn. Because when I told people I was doing this episode, everyone was like, oh, thank God, because I never know what to post. Like, I never know what to say. And I feel that sometimes for sure. So I'm curious, like, how do you kind of treat it the same as Instagram where you're like content planning and you're like, these are the things I'm going to talk about this week? Or how do you know what you should be posting? I think you definitely can do that. You know, you can if you want to post on a daily basis then you're going to need to content plan. I don't think it's necessary to post on a daily basis, though, to really do well on on LinkedIn. I'm part of the LinkedIn Creators Program. I have an amazing LinkedIn manager. And something that she has shared with me is that you need to be posting at least once a week. So that is that bare minimum you really should be posting is once a week. If you get a really quality post out there, that reach can last for like weeks later. So it it has that really good organic reach. Then it's better to do that than posting like every single day and posting a little snippet. Yeah. And then kind of, I think you asked what you should be posting. Right. What you should be posting, I think as a creator, you could definitely be posting things about your brand deals, but I would post it as a story. That That's where it goes oh. back to the storytelling is instead of posting like, look at this amazing brand deal that I got or posting an, an ad. Obviously, if they're not paying you, don't turn it into an ad. Make it about you. True. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're posting you. Yeah. Paying yeah. you, I mean, to post. But kind of make it like, oh, I, I was doing this. I found this brand that I really wanted to work with. This was the process of how I worked with this brand. And this was the conclusion of the campaign. I'm really proud of myself for this campaign. Maybe after you have some results, you could be like, this campaign produced amazing results and include the results. That type of storytelling, I think is great, especially having incredible evidence of your impact. Right. That will bring a lot more brands to you. Like, oh, this influencer is a industry thought leader. You know, I want to work with her because she's right, right. talking about. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And again, like it's, 
it's all about the connections, just like all the other platforms are. You know, like if you're sharing something that one person sees and interacts with, it also can go on to other people's feeds. And that's like kind of the cool part about LinkedIn. Like I see all the time if I'm just scrolling through, I'm like, oh, who is this person? And then it will say like in like small letters at the top, one of your connections, whoever it is, liked this post. Mm -hmm. And so it will share it to other people. And that's probably why I would assume why you were saying like the organic reach on a post can last for weeks because I feel like it just keeps getting pushed out there to more and more people. So that reach is able to just grow and grow and grow. Definitely. Yeah. It's crazy. I know. I remember I posted a post that I think was about me graduating and it had organic reach for like three months after I posted it. That's crazy. Yeah. It's it's because exactly what you're saying. If someone comments on it, then it goes to their entire network and their entire network will see like blah, 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 commented on this or they liked it. They loved it. You know, they reacted to it. They shared it. There's so many ways to get that organic reach. So that's why if you implement that storytelling and kind of like give a punch to the gut, a lot of times that will really, really work. A lot of people will like it and it'll go to their feed and then the next person's feed. That and then the kind of braggy posts as well, I think do really well where someone has a really nice picture of themselves looking all professional and they're like, they say something motivational. Those tend to do really well as well. I don't know why, but. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like there are definitely certain things like on Instagram or TikTok that you're like, why is this what performs (laughs) best? But okay, like we'll take it, whatever. So when you are sharing a post on LinkedIn, you know, similar to on Instagram, obviously we want to get interactions on it for the reason that we just talked about. Do you feel like on your LinkedIn post, like on your Instagram post, you should have some sort of call to action that like, you know, like basically makes people want to take the action to actually interact with that post? 100%. I think LinkedIn is actually the most important platform when it comes to having clear call to actions. You know, call to actions are the bare bones of marketing and having call to actions on LinkedIn is so, so important. They don't always need to generate a sale, a brand deal, right. anything like that, but generating conversation is so important. So, you know, I think that's another reason why utilizing the polls feature, and I, this may be an unpopular opinion. A lot of people really hate the polls feature for some reason. But on LinkedIn? On LinkedIn, yeah. I didn't I even know there was one. Oh my God, it's amazing. The <laughs> polls feature is just so amazing on LinkedIn. I think it's my favorite poll feature out of all the socials. Really? Yeah, okay, tell me more about it because I'm very curious. I've never seen it. Yeah, so pretty much you go on to LinkedIn and when you go to post, there is a feature when you press create a post that says create a poll. Okay. So kind of go on there. And then what you do is you write a question and then you give options very similar to the polls you do on your stories on Instagram. And you give up to four options. You could choose the duration, uh, which I think is one day, three day, one week and two weeks. So you have those different options. And then after you create the poll, it'll pop up as a poll and then you can write something as a post to share the poll. So I think they're just so wonderful because you can create that poll and then create a post that utilizes storytelling, utilizes call to action, something like that to generate some form of conversation. And then there's an interactive button that people can press to give their opinion without even having to leave a comment. But I think that it makes Mm. more people want to leave a comment, especially if you leave like an other tab and or make it a very controversial poll, not, you know, in some way, maybe. Right, right in a industry way. And then people will want to comment. And I think that the organic reach is insane. I've had some of those hit like 70, 80,000 engagement reach in like a week. Wow. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could literally make a poll. You should do this of, do you like the poll feature on LinkedIn? (laughs) (laughs) If it's something that's that that. controversial, maybe that would be a good idea. (laughs) That is so great. Actually, the last poll I made, someone decided to take the time out of their day to comment about like comment on it. And it was like, how do I make people? Oh, it was I was asking about what webinars they wanted to see on LinkedIn. And they commented how to make people on LinkedIn stop using the poll feature. Oh uh, my God. Why do people me, hate it so much? I love polls. I think they're so I love fun. polls. I know. Some people are just haters <laughs> in general, you know, people on social media. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're hiding behind a computer. So, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I try to not be a keyboard warrior with people, but I'm sensitive. Sometimes I want to be like, you're a meanie bobini. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, why do you think that this is appropriate to comment? Like, keep it to yourself. Thank you. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> you can leave. Exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. People are crazy. So I'm curious too. So Speaking of kind of like what to post, a lot of the creators that I spoke with about, again, like we're doing this episode on LinkedIn, they were like, okay, I have a full-time job and I'm a creator. How can I kind of like balance or should I balance posting both? I actually had someone ask like, should I create two separate LinkedIn accounts? So, you know, if someone's like a nurse and a creator, how do you recommend that they kind of balance the two or should they have separate profiles? No, I definitely think they should balance the two onto one profile. I think something that a lot of people forget, even people recruiting sometimes, but being a content creator has a lot of transferable skills to other professions. I think that if you're a content creator and you're proud that you're a content creator, you should definitely show that information on the same profile where your maybe nine to five job is. Both of those are part of you and part of your career and both give benefits when people are hiring. You know, some people might find that very interesting and that be a reason why they reach out to you for an interview for your nine to five career path. What I recommend, you know, with your LinkedIn, again, back to the storytelling, but really thinking about how both of those parts of you and both of those professions that you're working on go into your true overall story of what you're doing with your life now, what your goals are. I think you should strategize in a way of this LinkedIn is going to help me with what I want to do in the future. So if you want to do more content creating, that's more important. I would focus a little bit more on that. If your goal is more towards your nine to five, I would focus more on that. If you're even, I would focus evenly. So it really depends on your strategy. But I think that another way, if if you work in a very professional career, maybe you're in finance or tech or something that might be a little bit more serious. I think that there's ways to make posts that include both of those as well. So like, you know, this is me at daytime and, you know, at a desk. Right. This is me at 5 p.m. being a content creator and then maybe making a post of how those two things both have made you into the hard worker you are or the great professional you are. Stories like that do really, really well. Yeah, that's a really great point. And I mean, you've brought up storytelling a few times. So I actually want to like have you take a second and explain like what you mean by storytelling. It's interesting because I feel like we hear that on for TikTok, Instagram, like everything on social media is about storytelling. So how can a creator do that in a way that's effective to like what their goals are? Yeah. So with storytelling, there are different types of ways that you could tell a story. That's something that I, I would look up, get yourself familiar with a little bit. I won't go full into that, but there are different types of story archetypes, things like that. But telling a story, you know, the bare bones, a beginning, a middle, an end, maybe 
it, your story is something that wants to provoke happiness, maybe it's something that wants to provoke emotion and sadness or maybe it's something that wants to provoke excitement. That's something I would think about when you're writing your story. What emotions do you want this to provoke? The most important thing about storytelling is that it does provoke emotion and people tend to think with their emotion and react with their emotion. So, you know, if you want to create some controversy as an influencer, you know, then you can use the storytelling that will provoke anger or irritation. Right. There's different ways to provoke the emotion you're looking for. On LinkedIn in particular, I think storytelling is important because when you become connected with someone or you follow someone, you're following to follow along on their journey. And I, I'm sure it's, it's very similar with Instagram as well. Why do right. we follow influencers? It's because we're interested in their life. We're interested in what they're doing. The same reason why you want to do stories on Instagram is the same reason why you'd want to utilize storytelling on LinkedIn to kind of bring people along on your journey and your professional career. If that's influencing, if that's a nine to five, if that's entrepreneurship, if that's all three, you know, right. you want to bring them along and give them a good story. Yeah. I think again, like throughout all social media platforms at the end of the day, we're following certain people because we care specifically about them. Like we don't necessarily just care about fashion. If we did, there's 5 million influencers we can choose from. How do we pick which ones we're following? It is Definitely. the storytelling, you know, like figuring out who these people are, experiences that they've been through that maybe you can relate to and different things like that. So if you're not telling any of that stuff, how are people supposed to relate to you? And then again, like start conversation. We do kind of like the same thing in our newsletters. Instead of me just being like, hey guys, we've got a new podcast out about LinkedIn. Like my plan for this episode is to write a newsletter about how, you know, I was lost with LinkedIn. Like I really don't know much about it. You know, like I use it and I click some buttons and post some stuff, but like I don't really know what I'm doing. And I'm sure a lot of creators can relate to that. And then we'll talk about, you know, that call to action of you should go listen to the episode. But again, it really does have just such a different effect. If people have something that they can relate on, again, they can feel some type of way about what you have to say. And then I think it's easier for them to take action, whether that's to go listen to something, click on something, interact with that post, whatever it is. But with all social media, I think storytelling is important. 100%. I completely agree because what really separates the influencers that can't get brand deals from the influencers that have too many brand deals being offered to them is their community. And community yeah. is built by storytelling. You have to share things about yourself and your journey to get people to care about you and be interested in your life so far that they would make purchases based off what you say, would interact with brands that you talk about. All of right. those things are very important. Yeah, I completely agree. When you are storytelling on LinkedIn, I guess, are there certain, I guess, formats? Like, I don't even know the right kind of way to say it. You know, is there a certain format that works best on, on LinkedIn? Again, like short posts, long posts, videos, photos, like, have is there anything that you've realized, like, as a whole on the platform does better or worse than others? Yeah, I would say up until recently, long posts were what I would always answer to this. Those mm -hmm. long, drawn-out stories that yeah, like... a blog post provoke, almost. Yes, almost like a blog post. Those are what, what always were doing the best. I think LinkedIn recently has been making a huge switch to being a creator-first platform as every social media is right now. They've yeah. realized the importance of creators and 
They started their creator accelerator program in a lot of different countries. They started their LinkedIn managed creators program, a bunch of stuff. So I think that different content is getting prioritized, like more diverse content. But I would say in a general sense, what I've noticed works the best is normally like some type of picture with a medium sized story attached to the picture. Or if you do a poll again, like a poll with I'd say two paragraphs and a call to action to answer the poll or comment does really well. I have seen a lot of people posting video as well on LinkedIn now, which I think is going to end up being a lot more present on the platform. So I think on LinkedIn, anything goes right now. I think trying different things and doing A-B testing is really, really important on your profile because depending on who your connections are, your audience, it could be completely different from one person to another. But if you're a content creator and you have a buttload of amazing pictures of yourself. Just, you know, you can pick yeah. from at any time. Posting some of those beautiful pictures of yourself and talking about something about your career. I think those tend to do amazing because okay, you look great. You talk great. Bam. Yeah, like it's a whole great. story. Yeah, it's a cool story. And people will interact with it more. They'll see your face. They'll feel more connected to you. So... Yeah, I love yeah. that. This is like you're sparking so many ideas because I all again, like I go to my blank post on LinkedIn and I'm just <laughs> like, damn it. Like what? I don't know. It's a say, but you really are bringing up a lot of, of great points here. So very, very helpful. I want to switch shifts a little bit to more of kind of like growth and monetization. Obviously on, you know, Instagram, TikTok, we know how important growth is or what we feel in terms of how important it is. So on LinkedIn, is having like more followers, does it make you like more legitimate? You know, like how does follower or connection count on LinkedIn even work? I guess you should also maybe clarify the difference between following and connections. Yeah. So clarifying difference between following and connections. Following is more of a creator account thing. You can do it with non-creator accounts as well. But if you turn your account into creator mode, then the follow button will be the primary button that you see on your profile. People can still connect with you if you allow it by pressing on the dots and pressing connect, but it'll give them the option to follow you first. And following means that if you press follow, you see their posts, but they don't see your posts. So you're not a mutual connection. It'd be kind of like on Facebook, if you were following someone's Facebook profile, but they weren't your friend, you know? Right. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Very, very similar. I would say, yeah, I think on any social platform, vanity metrics in some way play into our mind when we think credibility. Um, So I can't say that like it doesn't matter at all. I think it definitely does. It always does a little bit. Is it the most important thing for like organic reach? I really think not. I've actually experienced the opposite a little bit that like my following grew and my organic reach went down. So interesting. Yeah. Social media, algorithms, uh, crazy stuff. (laughs) We just have to go with the flow and try not to go go with the flow. (laughs) Exactly. Pretty pretty much. But best ways to grow uh, LinkedIn profile, I would say first starting, if you went to a university, a high school, any, you're in a group, first thing I would start is by connecting with people from your school. You get 100 connections a week until you get to like 2000 connections. I would be connecting with 100 people a week and utilizing all those connections. I didn't know that it would cap you. Yes, it does. 100 Mm -hmm. invites a week to connect with people. If you connect with people that you have Make sure that you have what you're connecting with them on your profile as well so they can see like, oh, they're from my my same university. They'll be more okay. likely to accept it. 
That's why I say start there. Once you have a, a more decent following, if you're trying to use your LinkedIn for growth, just pure influencer basis, mm-hmm. I would, and again, might be an unpopular opinion, but I would purchase the LinkedIn Pro profile. I sound okay. like I'm like sponsored by LinkedIn. I swear <laughs> I'm not. But the reason why is they give you extra tokens to send messages to people without being connected to them. Okay. And I would utilize those messages. Don't just send, hi, I'd like to connect and talk with you. Like you're paying for these messages. Yeah. Write a nice message, kind of like you would to brands in an email, but just in a way that's like, oh, I'm, I'm an influencer. This is some of the stuff I do. I see that you're working with this brand. I would love to connect and talk about influencer opportunities with you. And I think that that can work out really, really well. Same with CEOs. If you're working in a professional stance on your LinkedIn and you're doing more of a professional nine to five career or even entrepreneurship in some ways, you can reach out to CEOs and be like, I love your company. I would love to do work with your company. You know, write about yourself, humanize yourself, utilize that storytelling again. And a lot of CEOs will respond. I know when I first started out, when I was looking for like internships and opportunities, I worked with a lot of brands with my social media agency just by messaging the CEO on LinkedIn and be like, hey, my name is Madison. I'm really young and learning, but I would love to work with you. I love your brand. This is why. Like, I would love to talk about your brand with you. And I would say about 50% of them would respond and you would get really great connections that way. Yeah. I mean, hey, that's a better response rate than most influencers when they're sending like a pitch email. So 100%. Definitely good. I would actually be curious to know. So when you are like connecting with brands and things like that, I mean, are you doing this like every week? Is this something you're doing like multiple times per week? How many messages like do you think you send out a week? I don't send as much messages out anymore because a lot of messages will just come to me now and I can't keep up with them. But I would say when I was starting, yeah, I'm a type of person though. I have that brain that like never shuts off. So Mm -hmm. if I have an idea or a goal, I'll just be working at it constantly. And until my boyfriend yells at me, is like, it's two in the morning, you gotta go sleep. Yeah, like like, get off the computer. (laughs) Yeah, get off the computer. It's like, but I have an idea. So that's just who I am. But yeah, I would stay consistent in a way, whatever that means for you, staying consistent, do what you can, don't overexert yourself. But yeah, definitely stay consistent, stay on it, send messages when you can. And especially the connections, I I say it should be a rule, 100 connections, invites a week you know, or, you know, that should be a rule for you. It's not that hard to do. You could do it quickly and try to make, try to make them authentic connections, you know, at least have something in common, your university, things like that. But building your network will help you build a larger network because of kind of the algorithm things we were talking about that if someone likes it, it goes to their feed. So having some foundation is very important. Yeah. So when you are connecting, like when you hit that connect button and that little pop-up thing that's pops up and says like, do you want to add a note or just connect? Do you usually add a note there? I didn't when I was starting, when I was just connecting with like other students. I didn't when I was starting out, but that was four or five years ago. But when I started reaching out to more of like CEOs or people that already have high connection lists, there is a max amount of connections that you can have on LinkedIn. So when people are already very well connected, they're going to be a lot more picky about who they connect with because it'll, yeah, you can max out. Yeah, it takes from what they can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with those type of people, I would definitely do some type of personalized thing. And I wouldn't put a call to action about like, I want to use you for something. Like, don't say like, I want to work with you or 
yeah, I wouldn't do that. I would do more of like, oh, I work in this space. I think that we could be mutually beneficial to each other's networks. I would love to connect and see your post or have a conversation, things like that. You know, don't make it too salesy. I know that I get a billion of those a day on LinkedIn and they get all denied. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Usually when I send kind of like that connection request to a brand on LinkedIn or, you know, someone who works at a brand, I'll kind of just say like, hey, you know, I've been kind of watching what you're doing over at whatever brand. And I love that you guys just went cruelty free or whatever it is. Yes, definitely. Looking forward to staying connected and, and seeing what you guys do next. Like, and that's kind of like what my message usually looks like because I don't ever want to be that salesy, annoying person yep. in the inbox. <laughs> and I think, it, you know, people love to talk about themselves. So like if they're getting that, they're probably going to want to be like, oh yeah, isn't it awesome? You know, we're doing this and we're Leaping Bunny certified and like whatever it is, you know, they get excited about it. So I think it's kind of like a good way to start a conversation, but also not in a way that again is it feels salesy or like inauthentic 100% I completely agree I think it's very very important definitely so I I guess when it comes to kind of like monetizing on LinkedIn I mean my first question would be because you're doing things on Instagram as well do you typically you know pitch for an Instagram partnership and then add on like a LinkedIn post or are you at the point where you're just doing like strictly, you know, like a LinkedIn partnership with a brand? Yeah, I normally keep keep them separate. Okay. I've actually never even thought about like trying to pitch that. So that's <laughs> that's something <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I could I there could definitely go. add that. Normally my LinkedIn partnerships don't even go through email. They go through LinkedIn. So people will reach yeah. out and be like, I would love to sponsor posts of yours. Normally how sponsored posts work on LinkedIn, it's a little bit different depending on the brand. I, I remember my first LinkedIn sponsorship ever was one of those autonomous desks, which, oh, is actually right here and yes. being used as a shelf at the moment. Hey, but shout out to them. Yeah, they sent me that desk. And then I, it was very similar to what I do on Instagram, where I took a picture okay. of it and then made a post about it and then hashtag right. ad or something. Okay. But the more common ones that I get now are more like sponsor posts, by the way, of they'll sponsor you creating a guide or they'll sponsor a article that for you to write. So let's say um, you write, they'll ask you to write an article and they'll put it on their page and then you have to post that on your LinkedIn and then they'll pay you for that. Very cool. Oh yeah. Very, very interesting. Or they'll have a post where they want you to utilize their software to do something and post about that on LinkedIn. Experience, Yeah. Yeah. And like the experience and then the final product. So they have a lot of more unique sponsorships. Yeah. It's not just like take a picture of you holding it and talk about the benefits. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of those are really beneficial too for thought leaders in their industry that maybe content creation in a photo sense is not your strong suit or a video sense. Maybe you're tired and, you know, have depression or something and you don't want to take pictures of yourself anymore. I think you can do that on LinkedIn and just utilize your thoughts, your, you know, your ideas on things and, and still monetize that pretty well on on LinkedIn. Yeah, no, I mean, these are all really great points. I think one of the things that a lot of creators struggle with, no matter what platform is pricing. So I'm curious to know, like, how did you figure out what you should be charging? Or I guess, how can creators now figure out what they should be charging for like a LinkedIn ad or sponsored post? 
Yeah, that is a very difficult question. It's like even for Instagram, I'm just like, I don't even know how to answer that question. Um, I know. You pull a number out of your ass and see what happens. <laughs> I think that's kind of what I said on the last podcast I was on when they asked me that. They're like, do you have a mathematical equation to doing it? I'm like, no, no not, not really. No. It's For me, it's like I look at it and I'm like, how much would I need to get paid for this right. to be worth it? And then I go from there. And I would say the same thing with LinkedIn. I know this is such unhelpful advice. But that's kind of what I do is I look at the project. Yeah. Yeah, And I look at the project and I quantify how much time I think it would take to complete the project. And then in my mind, I think about how much would I need to be compensated for this to be worth it. And different things can go into that. If it's a larger brand and I think that it could be kind of impressive in a way on my resume, then I might do it for a little less. If it's a smaller brand that it's going to be a lot of work and, you know, it won't be as beneficial to my audience on LinkedIn then I'd probably want to charge a little bit more to make it worth my time. So that's kind of how I quantify my monetization. Yeah, it's tough with any platform. But at the end of the day, like you just have to do trial and error, I think is really the best way to figure it out. I am curious about the creator program. I'd love to talk about that a little bit. So what is the creator program? How did you get into it? Like, What are the benefits? Yeah. So the LinkedIn creator program, there's a couple of different creator programs they run. Uh, one's the creator accelerator program, which right now I think they're running in India, maybe the UK. It's more of like a program for certain areas. The creator manager program is kind of something, there's no like fall, amount of followers you need or anything like that. I know that they've invited creators um, like Brooke Monk from TikTok. Uh, I know she got invited to the program by a creator mm-hmm. uh, to LinkedIn by the creator manager. So she just jumped on LinkedIn, was part of the program. And you could probably reach out to a lot of creator managers on LinkedIn to try to see if there's a spot in their team that they could have you. I think that would be the best way. Sometimes people reach out to you. If you start posting consistently on LinkedIn about being a creator, talking about the creator economy, things like that, then I feel like you probably get reached out to. But if you're, you want to try to get part of, become part of the program, you could reach out to them as well. But what is the program? Uh, Yeah, like what are the benefits? I think that the main benefits is having someone at LinkedIn to be able to reach out to about things. So one of the things that really has been pushing me away from LinkedIn, not LinkedIn, from Instagram and Meta in general is the lack of support that that they have. And I I know every influencer is just like, (laughs) ugh. I've had so many of my my best friends in in the influencing world get their accounts deactivated in a second. Mm -hmm. And all of their hard work is gone. It's happened to so many people and most of them don't get it back at all. It's so hard to get a hold of people. I think exactly. that's something that's amazing when you're in this program is you have a direct connection to someone at LinkedIn that can put in tech tickets for you and right. you can ask questions about what they, what you should be posting. They give you ideas of things you could post, uh, which I really, really like. A lot of the LinkedIn creator managers are like niche-based creator managers too. So if you get one that's like in your exact niche, let's say fashion, my creator manager is actually her niche is fashion. Uh, so she sends a lot of really cool ideas about fashion and what you could be That's posting awesome. about, interesting trends, things like that. And then also you can reach out to her if, let's say, you see your, your engagement's doing really bad. You could reach out to your LinkedIn manager and have her either look through your content, give you advice, or also put in a ticket with tech and say like right. something's wrong, her content 
is not doing well. You need to <laughs> right, make right, it right. Do well. This. Yeah. <laughs> Fix this. Fix so, this tech people. <laughs> so how do you typically like with the creator management thing? Like, I mean, I'm sure that gives you a level of credibility too, which is definitely, you know, really nice for any platform. It's kind of like getting, you know, like the blue verified mark, but for LinkedIn. How do you find these people? I think you kind of briefly mentioned. Their title is usually LinkedIn Creator Manager, so you could probably search some of them up. Interesting. Another good way, too, is, you know, connect with your influencer friends on LinkedIn, get connected, Mm -hmm. make actual networking connections, and they could possibly introduce you to their LinkedIn manager and refer you to the program, things like that. I know that a couple of the managers that, that aren't my managers, but I'm connected with, I found through following some of my other friends on LinkedIn and their creator managers commenting on their stuff. And I found them connected with them. It's just all about making authentic connections. So reaching out to people and showing interest in not only what they can do for you, but what you can do for them. I love that. Okay. I want to ask you one last thing. Like if you can give the creators listening one like takeaway about LinkedIn? Like what's the thing they need to know? What's the thing they should go do? Like one really strong takeaway. I would say the strong takeaway is first of all, just do it. Not sponsored by Nike, but but just do it. (laughs) Get on there. Put yourself out there. Uh, Utilize storytelling and utilize your own authenticity and be consistent in some way. I think those are the biggest takeaways. I mean, that for every social media platform. <laughs> 100%. Exactly. And that, that's, I think that people get a little bit scared with LinkedIn and try to treat right. it like it's so different. But LinkedIn really isn't that different from the other social platforms. I think that it just has more unique features that you could be utilizing in a different way. So you can't just like yeah. pop your same content from platform to platform. But it's not a scary platform. I think it's a less scary platform. It's easier to build on there. It's easier to make actual genuine friends on there and connections, right. you know, instead of just liking people's oh my God, photos. So cute. Exactly. You know, and, that, <laughs> and that's why I think I kind of got drawn to LinkedIn is that the insights that people leave are a lot more useful and, and not as thoughtful. repetitive. Yeah, thoughtful, definitely. And a lot less repetitive. Oh my God, such a cute outfit. Like you're so, you're so beautiful. And I feel bad because that's the kind of stuff I comment on people's stuff too. But it, at that point, you're like, what do I even comment to this? Like, I don't exactly. know. I don't yeah. even know how to support them anymore. It's so repetitive, you know? Right, right. LinkedIn's a little different than yeah, that. Yeah, no, I totally understand. I love this. So, okay. I literally, the second we get off, I need to immediately go like, go tweak my entire LinkedIn (laughs) profile. I'm going to go plan a bunch of posts. I'm so excited. This was so, so helpful. Honestly, like we get so many questions about LinkedIn and I feel like you gave us such a good understanding of how we can use it as creators. And again, like actually use it to monetize, not just like, you know, to have another social media platform to take care of. So Thank you so much for being here. We have all of your links down below where everyone can follow you. Guys, go check out Madison's profiles. Obviously, you can tell she is amazing. Madison, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Social Scoop brought to you by Your Social Mate, where we help entrepreneurial creators learn how to monetize and turn their online influence into a legitimate, profitable, and self-sustaining business. We hope you absolutely love this episode and come back every Tuesday for a new one. 
If you really enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review here and send us a DM to let us know your favorite part. We're an open book if you ever want to discuss episodes. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at KBOUSQ. We'll see you next week.